Searching the Scriptures with Watchman Alexander, Episode 38. Is everybody in the world going to die before someone finds the answer? Do I have to remind you that theory is the beginning of solution? What are we up against? Is it a dangerous thing? All I've ever known to be true is a lie. I didn't say it would be easy. I just said it would be the truth. Welcome to Searching the Scriptures with Watchman Alexander, where we break away from religious systems and man-made dogma to learn the Word of God from an independent Hebraic perspective. And now your host, the prophecy buff who tackles the tough stuff, Alexander Lawrence. Hello and shalom. This is Watchman Alexander. And this is Terry Arnold. Back together finally after too long of a break. <laughs> Yeah, much life. too long. <laughs> yeah, life it just keeps throwing us curveballs. But we didn't give up on this. Uh, man, I don't know if we should try and like kind of recap things that have happened. Let's jump in, man. Okay. <laughs> well, we were in the book of Genesis chapter six. So we're just going to pick off, uh, pick up from there. And uh, we had talked for a couple of episodes about the sons of God. We had talked about the Nephilim about a lot of these strange goings-on in Genesis chapter 6 and some of the extra-biblical books that work and, and coordinate with that. And now we're getting into the flood narrative. We are going to come back and talk more about the sons of God, and in particular the rebellious members of the Divine Council, once we get to Genesis chapters 10 and 11, uh, because the yeah. Tower of Babel incident brings that into um, into a little bit more focus and uh, some important things happened there regarding the sons of God, but we're just going to wait until we get to that point. And for right now, let's keep going in Genesis and see what was happening in the days of Noah. Yes. Yes. Go from Genesis six, verse five through, uh, well, let's just go through verse eight for now. Adonai saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Adonai regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So Adonai said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Adonai. This is not a real cheery thing to have to orbit around right now, but <laughs> no, uh, the earth had become incredibly evil and corrupt, and the Lord saw that he had to do something about it. Otherwise, it was all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Uh, he waited evidently a very long time before deciding to, to take drastic measures. Um, which tells us something about how patient, how compassionate God is, that he wouldn't swoop right in early on in the process of people beginning to rebel and, and stray into deeper wickedness, uh, but that yeah. he would give them time to repent. Um, in fact, hundreds of years. Unfortunately, they didn't. They got more and more wicked. In fact, this evil spread so thoroughly that eventually Noah and his family were the only ones that were uh, considered to be uncorrupted. And so God had to use him to restart the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what do you draw from this passage? I'll try not to get ahead of myself here because we should come back to that, what you just said about the only ones who are uncorrupted uh, when we get back to verse 12. Um, but before we talk about that, I, you know, the I think we need to recognize that there's a lot of superlatives are those big words like that, that are all encompassing type words that are used here, right? We see, we see how great the wickedness, um, every inclination, like only evil. Those are the kind of phrases that are being used here, and and when 
I know, especially me, when I read this the very first time for myself, I, I don't know how old I was or whatever, you know, I thought, man, could it really have been that bad? And my imagine, imagination of what, you know, wickedness is, is tempered by the fact that I'm, you know, here in 2000, well, now I'm 2021, right? And so the kind of evil that I've observed in my life, even if you include like, you know, newspapers or just simply hearing about something that's happened in the past, like uh, that gauge that I have for wickedness, we, I, need to, I need to understand and all of us need to understand that the gauge of wickedness that we currently see on the earth is not at all close to the level that is actually described here. Like whatever wickedness you've seen, um, I, I know people who have been in the military and they've, they've been in places where, uh, you know, rape, abuse, and they've seen that full on. When, when people come back out of that environment and they try to settle back into like family life and stuff here in America, it, it's so drastic that most of the time there is some kind of mental illness damage done to those men when they see that. And so what we need to recognize is it was literally like that across the entire earth where all that you saw everywhere you went, there was this kind of wickedness that literally makes people go mad. It makes them go crazy and insane. You know, you talk about uh, post-traumatic stress, those kinds of things, like everyone had PTSD in this world that we're reading about from God, including God himself, right? We're reading about his PTSD, right? Like that's what we're reading about. And so we need to really understand the level of wickedness that is being talked about here because, you know, certainly people are going to come at this and if they look at it through our eyes today, they're going to, oh, there's no way it was so bad that everybody had to die. And, and there's even for the animals, right? It, you know, someone today might be like, why do they have, why do you have to kill the animals too? Because it says the thoughts of the human heart. And, you know, I can come back to that word thoughts as well, but we're going to get into that more when we get down to verse 12 as to why the animals also had to die. Cause it wasn't just humans because of human sin with us as leaders of the earth at the time, we led the animals into sin too. We wonder why the animal kingdom is so violent. Well, they, they learned that violence from us, right? Um, and so going back to this word of the thoughts of the human heart, the word in Hebrew is makshavot, uh, literally the devices of the human heart. So it's like all of the things that the plans we were creating, like our imaginations is often a, a, uh, a translation of that word, like everything we would scheme up was about evil. It had evil intent, whether greed or, or something along those lines, greed, violence, death. It was something that was just selfish, inherently selfish, and not about our neighbor. And so that, that's what we need to understand before we get to all of this. But, you know, I love that last one, verse eight but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um, I like that in English because of the word, but like in, he in Hebrew here, there is no, it's not, but everything's and. <laughs> and so, you know, it's and Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, but I love it in, in the, in the English there, because it just brings out that, that opposition, like yeah, as opposed to everything we, we heard, it's a good transition word to say, look, there's something else going on. There's a little seed of hope here. Yeah. I'm reminded of an end times prophecy later in scripture that says that because of sin, the love of many will grow cold. And I have to imagine that that's what had happened before Noah's day as well. The sin that grew and grew and grew reached a point to where it killed the love in people's hearts. They did not know how to love each other anymore. They didn't know how to have compassion. They didn't think about what it was like for other people. And so once you reach that point, the momentum is it's out of control. There's no reeling it back in. And I think that's why God had to just obliterate everything. That's one of the reasons. I think there's more that we're going to get into, but yeah, there comes a point at which, and, and we see this in other places too, where somebody's heart is hardened, somebody's conscience is seared, 
they've reached a point where there's no fixing that. They're given over to evil and there's no love left. They don't have any of that character of God in them anymore. The only solution is to wipe it out and start over. Yeah. And this whole flood narrative that we're going to go through was the first destruction of the earth. The apostle Peter tells us there's another destruction coming. It's like unto it, but with fire instead of right. water. This time it's going to be fire. Um, so this is all very instructive to us because it's, it's a type. It's the first iteration of what's going to reach a climax in, in a slightly different variant um, in the not too distant future. So it behooves us to study this part carefully and understand you said something which is true, which is that the level of evil now is not what it was um, in Noah's day. Right. But we're much closer to that than I think most people, at least here in, in the States and, and people in a lot of the Western nations where things are relatively orderly and relatively lawful still. Um, we're a lot closer than people think. And yeah. there's a lot more going on that people, a lot of folks don't understand. They don't uh, see it. They're naive to the amount of suffering that's happening. Um, Amanda could talk to you for a long time about the amount of human trafficking that's happening under our noses, the amount of slavery in, in a variety of senses, not only enslaving people to work, but enslaving people to be sexual objects. Um, there's a ton of that happening, even in our backyards. And in many, many families, there is abuse that occurs between older and younger family members right. and goes in large part unreported. Um, so we don't, we don't see the statistics usually because you really have to, you have to approach it the right way. When you're doing that research, you have to drill down to get the facts and it's not easy to do. And so it looks like things are not as bad as they really are when you start to ask the right questions in the right ways. Um, but there is a ton of abuse happening and those things do give people mental problems that persist with them their entire lives until it's dealt with and, and healed usually through some kind of grace from God. But uh, otherwise, these things stick with people and it taints their entire view of humanity, their entire view of life. It, it affects how they do everything, uh, literally affects their brain chemistry um, to have been abused or, um, or sold or any of the things that are happening out there. So it's getting worse. There's more and more and more of it. Thankfully, uh, the church is becoming more aware of this and we're starting to fight it more. We're starting to expose these things, but um, there's a lot going on that people just don't understand or don't realize how much it's happening. Yeah. And that, and that's such an important point uh, because another thing I want to add to this is we need to understand that there will be turnkey moments that turn up the pressure for everyone. And that's the difference, right? There's, there's a lot of families that are just as broken as what Alex has just described. And so much of that goes unreported. But then you still see so many families that are in these like safe haven kind of environments. Um, like I know my household has not seen half of the trouble as the, the household I grew up, grew up in, um, you know, with abuse happening in our, our immediate family. And you know, now where the environment I'm raising my kids, like my kids, they really don't know real trouble. Like their worst trouble is they didn't get what they wanted for lunch or something along those lines. Right. And they whine about it. Right. That's that's the fact that there is like a safe haven at all on the earth right now, anywhere in any household is what's distinctly different from now and, and the days of Noah. But we need to understand that that a turnkey moment can change that in an instant. And, you know, with us here in Texas, we, we understand what turnkey moments can look like, right? We all had this blizzard which comes through and knocks out power, um, makes people super uncomfortable for, uh, you know, a short span. But then we got relief, right? What What is that like when you don't get the reprieve that comes? You know, I had uh, church members who were like, you know, my... <laughs> I one of them who, who, who I love dearly um, said, my comfort level, comfort zone is really small. And if I'm out of it, I'm just, you know, I'm upset. I'm mad. Right. And I heard them and I was like, yeah, I, I understand that. And, 
And I almost wanted to say, you know, there's going to be worse stuff coming. <laughs> but yeah, what are you like, going to you know, do later? <laughs> Maybe you ought yeah. to fix this now. Yeah. And so a, a lot of us are in the body of Christ, sadly, are in that kind of position right now, where if that comfort zone gets messed with a little bit, you know, then that's when the love dies pretty easily in us, if you will. You know, we get cranky, we get grumpy or whatever the thing is. Um, yeah. And now, I did see really, some wonderful. I'm sorry, I just wanted to interject to say I saw some wonderful compassion during this snowstorm. Uh, people really helping each other in, in some excellent ways. Yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying. And if this were to extend for more weeks and months and there's no reprieve, I think you would start to see things changing as people um, became very desperate. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like once... Once you get into a scenario where people are desperate and they they start looting, not just, you know, buildings, stores, things like that, but actually like houses and they go through and they start to collect together in groups that are aggressive that way. Right. The whole dynamic of a whole city can just change in an instant. And so Alex is completely right. This is much closer than we think. We're not there but it's much closer than we think. And the way, the picture that I imagine it actually being like for the next 50 years, and I'm saying 50, like actually pretty much on purpose, the next Jubilee of time, 49 years plus, that we are gonna be like a, a pot sitting on the stove with the heat on underneath it. And it'll be a slow boil, but it will get to a boil and it will eventually boil over. And so that's more like what the picture, um, what we should be preparing our hearts and minds for when we think about this, because Jesus said plainly that in the end, it will be like the days of Noah, right? And that there's lots of, he's, he talked about some specific ways as far as everybody going about their business. But we also need to understand that there's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere and environment of hostility that will be there and will be present um, and it's already began. It's starting to increase. The pot is on for boiling. It's just not boiling quite yet. Yeah, that's right. And I think we need to understand that the whole earth being evil and violent does not mean that there was no civilization left standing, that, that everybody had devolved into cavemen that were running around beating each other all the time. I don't think that's what's being said here. Um, I think just as you brought up, Yeshua saying people will continue to marry and give in marriage. They'll continue to you know, do these normal things, not recognizing that the end is upon them. The same was true in Noah's time, that there was still some form of civilization and people were going about doing normal things. But in the midst of that, there was a ton of calamity and I'm sure backstabbing and oppression of all sorts. So we can see a microcosm of that today where you can have both. You can have some semblance of order in a society-wide basis, but also have a ton of disorder and a ton of pain that's riding right alongside that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It's all in one bat, bat together. Hold it right there, Watchman. Get a cup of tea. It's time for Everything Under the Sun when we take three minutes to hear from the Watchman's wife, Amanda Lawrence. I'm doing this fitness challenge called Lady Boss Live. Stick with me here. I promise it'll get theological. For 28 days, I watch a 30-minute video and complete two actions a day. Sometimes it's reading a list of affirmations. Sometimes it's completing a workout. I'm also part of a Facebook group that is only open to the current participants. In it, we've had to post an introduction about ourselves, a before picture, ooh, scary, and post what is called the power statement. So a power statement is what we repeat daily, and it reminds us of our reasons why we're doing it, what we'll do if we start to lose momentum, and it generally motivates us to keep on keeping on. As I was reading through other women's power statements, I saw how everyone was interacting with each other, so encouraging and kind and empowering, and I found myself wishing that this existed for the community of believers. So this brings us back to the three-part series I mentioned a while ago about the lack of transparency in the church. 
Unless you're part of a faith-based 12-step like Celebrate Recovery or in a very specific small group, it has been my experience that genuine, authentic transparency just doesn't happen. It's rare to hear it from the pulpit, and it's rarer still to hear it above all of the I'm blessed and highly favored, alleluia-ing that happens during fellowship at church. The truth is, we're no different from non-believers, and everybody knows it, so why do we insist on hiding our junk? We know the statistics about divorce rates, porn use, drug use, etc. in and out of the church, and it speaks for itself. We're supposed to be set apart and different, and not because we have it all together and are sinless, but because we know who we are in Christ, so there are no secrets because there is no shame. There's a slogan in 12-step rooms that goes, you're only as sick as your secrets. Let me tell you right now, if no one knows, no is praying for your healing or deliverance. If no one knows, no one is coming alongside you, sharing how they overcame similar issues or holding you accountable. And if no one knows, your sin self will continue to tell you that you have free reign to continue whatever it is you're struggling with. And this isn't specific to actions, right? Maybe you just need some community because you feel alone or scared or have been struggling with raising your kids or speaking life into other people. Whatever it is, I challenge you to be that person at church who calls people out on their surface level comments by saying something like, okay, but how is your prayer life? How is your marriage? How is your confidence in Christ? Share a struggle that you have first, and I guarantee it will make others feel safe to start opening up as well. I'll go first. Because I am fully known and fully loved by the Most High King, I can say today without shame that a teacher took advantage of me when I was 15. I used to chew food and spit it out in an effort to control what I ate. And the long-running issue that I am overcoming daily in the name of Yeshua is lusting after men who are not the watchmen. If you want to dump some hard things on me, I'm your girl. You can always reach me at thewatchmanswife at gmail.com. Here is the history of Noah. In his generation, Noah was a man righteous and wholehearted. Noah walked with God. Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and yes, it was corrupt, for all living beings had corrupted their ways on the earth. We get this piece of good news that Noah was a righteous man, wholeheartedly walking before God, which tells me that even in the worst of times, God reserves for himself some who are righteous. He, he somehow preserves the goodness in certain individuals, even when they're surrounded by wickedness. And uh, I'd say only God could do that because <laughs> what, what chance do you stand when you're surrounded by evil to, to stay set apart from that evil? That, that has to be impossible without God. Yeah, it, it's a really big deal here. Like there's, a, there's some really key phrases that are in this part in these three verses too um, that we need to pick up on. So the first one is actually the beginning of verse nine where it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Uh, that phrase in Tagnon in Hebrew is actually a repeated phrase from earlier. Uh, the first time it popped up was, this is the account of the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter two. And then it also, it will keep popping up um, because each one of these, you, you also heard it when we were talking about Adam at some point um, and his lineage, I was at chapter five. It was this, the, this is the account of Adam. Um, that phrase is a marker and a divider in the book of Genesis. I think it appears, uh, I want to say, I can't remember if it's 12, 13, or, or 7, <laughs> but a key number of times um, in the book of Genesis. And so we need to understand this is, this is going into a new era as far as Genesis is concerned when we're talking about Noah and that he, he is a, uh, you know, when we talked about turnkey events, he's a turnkey person in the book of Genesis. Um, and then, so when it talks about Shem, Ham and Japheth, it's also saying the same about them because whoever follows with, uh, the part where it, like whatever follows the, this is the account of um is of great importance and then the next thing is uh it says noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with god um i know i've actually heard rabbis talk about this but 
you know, Noah's righteousness was not, it was not, uh, it didn't even measure up to like an Abraham. But because of how wicked everyone around him was in his day, he, he was definitely set apart in that generation. You know, and, and oftentimes in history, you're going to see that where somebody's just not, they're not as righteous from our standards, but with, because of what's around them, right, it still stands out, it sticks out and God will use them uh, despite their whatever behaviors they have that are, are not so great. Um, a great example would be someone like Samson. When we read Samson's story, often people just like horrified with <laughs> why did God use this guy, you know, but compared comparatively to his generation, uh, Samson is a righteous man in, in that uh, in that group, it's a sad, uh, sad commentary on that generation, but it means something when, uh, and God uses this same principle, even in households, right? If you have someone who grew up in a wicked family, he doesn't have the same expectations of that person as he does someone who grew up with everything they needed to learn about him. Right. Yeah, and that's an we, need to, point. we need to keep that in mind, uh, when we're looking at this. I think you're right about that contrast. One of the words, though, that's used of Noah here, and I don't have the Hebrew pulled up, I'm sorry, but um, I'll try that to blameless pull it up while you talk. Yeah. Okay. That word blameless, um, I have heard, and I haven't looked at this in quite a while. I think at one point I did, but I, I wouldn't want to speak to it uh, confidently now. But I think it can carry the connotation of being uh, pure in the flesh, uh, as in genetically pure, like the actual body of Noah was not corrupted. And that becomes interesting when we look at, I mean, the, the Genesis account is so concise, we don't get any kind of detail that would help us to understand that. And Moses flies through all of this, I think, because there were other writings and oral traditions that existed at his time that already explained all this in more detail. So the people didn't, people reading the Torah didn't need to know all of that extra information. They had it already. We don't. But with the rediscovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and some other things, um, we, we now do have a little bit more context. So this word blameless becomes interesting when you see that in, in the Book of Enoch and Jubilees and, and Jasher, um, we're explicitly told that people at this time were mixing kinds. Yeah. Um, now, I, I say Jasher, I don't, I don't believe that Jasher is scripture. I think it was written in the Middle Ages, um, but nonetheless, it contains a lot of oral traditions that survived through the centuries among the Jewish people. So, uh, you know, there may be some nuggets of truth in there that come from those traditions, but something like Jubilees and, and Enoch, I would put more weight on, especially Enoch. And they say the same kind of thing, that people were yeah. mixing creatures together. And that may be one of the, the biggest issues that God had with the, the people and the animals of this time before the flood. Because even uh, Jubilees and, and Jasher even say that people were mixing animals with human beings and animals right. with other animals, which is a big no-no. We've already seen that God talks a lot about kinds. He's, he's talked more than a dozen times about the different kinds that he made and how they're, they're all separate. And, uh, and again, down in, we haven't gotten there yet, but down in verse 20 of chapter six, we find that God commands Noah to take each kind of bird, each kind of livestock, each kind of creeping animal onto the ark. And so he's maintaining these distinctions even at, at this time. Yeah. And, and just to hop right in. Uh, so I do have the, the Hebrew pulled up here now. So it has Noach, Ish, Zadik. Uh, Ish means man, Zadik means righteous. And it says Tamim, which is the word that gets translated as blameless. It's the same word that's used uh, when you're talking about presenting a lamb sacrifice, that it needs to be Tamim or complete or whole or without blemish. Um, then Hayah, uh, which just means was, and in Bedorah Tav, so uh, in generations his. So when it says uh, generations his, um, you know, I, I made all those comments before about in his time, and that was from the English side, from the Hebrew side. Generations definitely carries the weight of talking about your 
your uh like your lineages like your <laughs> like how you came to be so uh i i believe what alex is saying here is actually dead on and uh rob skiba talks a, a lot about this but as far as the the mixing of kinds the animals um uh, Definitely, there is a, a high possibility that based on what was happening at this time with the mixing of kinds, that might have actually been where you got your dinosaurs and your other things, because that fits perfectly into the picture of what God is so sad about here, right? If, if dinosaurs like the T-Rex, carnivore, carnivore ones especially, um, if they're coming through and they're, they're stomping through the earth like, like giant animals that are just eating and, and bloodthirsty all the time, you know, that's definitely the kind of environment that is one full of violence, um, both of man and animal. And so I do believe that is a big part of what's going on here. And that though, also one of the reasons why we got all these geneal genealogies prior to now is to talk about his, uh, Noah's genealogy as being one that's not corrupted. And uh, right. there's, of course, all, all kinds of side uh, discussions about that. Um, you talk about, I think we've talked about once before on the show, you know, there's a difference between mixing of race and mixing of kind. Uh, sure. And that's an important distinction as well to not try to take that and, and make that and force that as people in the past have done, great Bible scholars even, uh, taking that to use as a justification for there being no quote unquote mixed marriages uh, now between the nations, but that doesn't actually make sense in this Bible context that we're talking about. It's a totally different context of kind rather than a made up con social construct like race. Right. We're talking about things like equine, uh, the horse kind being its own distinct category that should never be mixed with another category. You don't want to mix a horse with a human. These are different categories. <laughs> They're not intended to be crossed. The racial right. thing, completely different because it's within one category that is meant to mix. Um, but yeah, that, that word, uh, Hamim, is, is very interesting and maybe best translated as without blemish, like the lamb that had to be sacrificed, as you said. And it's interesting to me that it's the second word that's used of Noah that he already was called Tzadik, is that right? Zadik, yep. Zadik, righteous. Mm -hmm. um, it could have been left at that, right? Moses could have just written, no, it was righteous, and we would have understood. But he says two things. He was righteous, and he was without blemish. So but the fact that he would separate it like that uh, hints at the fact that, that we're talking about two separate things here. One is moral, and one is perhaps uh, physical. Yeah, But now a lot of people hearing this are probably wondering, how do you mix kinds? What are you, what are you talking about? That sounds like fantasy. Um, and it, it would have sounded like fantasy even a few decades ago. But now we're in a time period coming into a time yeah. when, no, actually, we're there already. I shouldn't say we're coming <laughs> we into there. it. We're, we're <laughs> we there. there. Um, scientists have created chimeras, which is an animal that is more than one kind mixed together. And they have done this using the genetic engineering practices that have been developed you know, over the last half century. So we're there. And supposedly, uh, the scientists that are making these things have killed off the embryos afterward. Nothing has been allowed to, to grow to full maturity. Nonetheless, <laughs> the fact that it can be done is what's, uh, that's the Pandora's box. You know, they've opened the lid on that. And now it's going to get worse to where eventually we will have mixed creatures being allowed to grow into adulthood. Yeah. And, and as somebody who's looked into this quite, quite a bit, um, one of the key technologies that has come about in the last, actually over a decade now, um, was CRISPR. So CRISPR is a gene editing technique that has already been, it's already getting honed in. Uh, somebody actually last year, a group of people got a Nobel Peace Prize or for chemistry for developing better ways to use the, the CRISPR uh, uh, the CRISPR technology. So I'm calling it technology, but really uh, the summary of it is that they they use you know some really teeny tiny cell organisms 
And they found out that they basically have an immune system that we can hijack to use to cut and edit genes on the fly. And so they have already done this in humans. In case you're wondering, it's already been verified to be done on human embryos. It's been tested on actual animals. And so, yes, we are very much there. There, you know, and it wouldn't seem like it because a lot of it does sound like fantasy. I, I mean, literally the other day, I sat down and I on purpose watched a movie with The Rock, like like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, it was Rampage. The whole premise of the movie was that basically the CRISPR gene was uh, the CRISPR technology was used to create these animals, these chimera animals, and it was used to make them grow super fast and do all this stuff. And the scientists for it were doing the research in space. And then like, you know, all their research fell down to the ground and these animals got basically infected <laughs> and were able to, to do these crazy things and grew to large and started reaping, you know, reaping chaos all over the place. Um, and per usual, what happened in the movie was that some humans tried to control these animals to weaponize them and to basically get money and profit from them. Uh, these are the devices of the human heart, right? And so we need to understand that there's going to be people, both people who are trying to use things like CRISPR for good, and there's going to be those who are trying to use it for their own gain and profit. Yes. And, right, and the, the mix that's going to happen, because typically you have governments that really push these kind of technologies much further than the envelope that private companies do. Um, because governments are mostly concerned with safety of their country, they want to have the biggest, baddest weapons. And so they want super soldiers. <laughs> they want those super soldiers or if, if they can have a, a bunch of animals that they can control some kind of way. That's what they're going to do because that's their primary concern, right? Is to try to guarantee the safety of their people. And it, you're only safe if you have the biggest and baddest weapons, right? And so that is the, the thoughts of mankind. That's where they've been to, right? Even things like that we have now, like the internet, the internet was originally created by the military and they basically, you know, basically virginized it after the fact, but it was, make no mistake about it, it was originally created for war. That's what it right. was for, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of technology that we get secondhand that way from governments and, and things of that nature where uh, somebody <laughs> needed a weapon and then they decided I can make this weapon profitable after I've used it for what I need to use it for. And so that is the situation that we're reading about here in Noah. That's the situation that we are currently in. And while we're not way on down the road yet, it doesn't take much for us to get there. Like again, a catastrophe, a turnkey event can change it all. Um, and, and it can happen in a moment's notice. But you, what you can be sure of is that the prophets of God that are actually <laughs> walking with him now, uh, because lucky for us, there is supposed to be way more Noah-like people in the end than there were in the days of Noah, where it was just his family. Yes, um, amen. God, God has already declared that he's going to have many, he's going to have thousands, literally thousands of people all the way through to the end that won't, uh, will be protected. They'll have the seal, they'll be shielded. And so um, we, we need to adjust our mindset to be like one of those people. But we're told to come out of Babylon. There is some onus on us as well. Yes. Um, although God wants to protect us and he wants to separate us from the craziness of this world, we are told to come out of Babylon um, so that we're not in the midst of her when the judgments come. We probably would do well to get uh, distance ourselves more and more as early as possible uh, so that it's not a last minute lot sort of situation where the angels are trying to draw drag lots family out and some of them don't want to come and it was just a disaster yeah. um so let's separate ourselves from the ways of the world as much as we can now not even get close to them yeah another thing people will probably wonder is they'll say things like i thought that uh, there wasn't any advanced technology before the flood how could they have been doing genetic engineering <laughs> yeah. and 
the fact is we don't know what the world before the flood was like. We, we really have no idea how advanced they may have gotten. I think they got very advanced um, because of the, the secrets that the watchers shared, which was hundreds of years before Noah's time. Um, so they shared all kinds of advanced techniques and secrets of heaven that mankind was not intended to have. And that could have, um, that could have developed over the course of centuries into an extremely advanced society. Um, so they could have been doing the very same things that we are with genetic engineering, or it could have been arcane arts of some kind that we don't understand because that's another thing that the watchers were teaching. And there are things that can be done with sorcery and, and magic of various types that I certainly don't understand, but that um, we see in ancient records, even after the flood, people were using and necromancy and, and other such things. Um, there is power there. And most of those techniques have been lost as far as I'm aware, but uh, they used to be in circulation much more even after the flood. So uh, we don't know how incredibly powerful those techniques may have been before the flood, before a lot of it got lost. Um, there could have been ways of doing things that didn't require the kind of technology that we have, but it was nonetheless techniques that were available to people at that time. And I fully expect that we'll see those things re-arise because it's really only here in the West that we don't hear about those things on a regular basis. If you go to countries, uh, you go to someplace like Haiti, if you go to uh, Tanzania, especially where I, I believe there's stories of even politicians resorting to uh, try to get ahead in their elections by uh, doing human sacrifices and things of this nature, idolatry, um, sorcery, those things are much more commonplace there. And I, I, and I say all that to say, I don't put it past some American people. You know, some, you know, some people would talk about deep state things. And I'm not saying that that's not happening here either. But what I am saying is that it's not commonplace to hear about that. You know, you're not going to hear about necromancy uh, very frequently in your right. casual American conversation, nor are you going to talk about voodoo or anything else like on a regular basis. Right. Unless you just got some interesting friends. Right. That's the only time you're going to have it have it happen. But the fact that <laughs> or you watch things, X-Files, <laughs> yeah, you know, that is not a commonplace thing here, but it will be right. It's a, a sad commentary on us, but we, it will be like that because we have not been fighting the war the way we ought to have been. And so right. uh, we are already losing ground in a lot of these areas because we have just presumed that things are going to continue on as they have been, um, especially as far as the place of God in our society right now. Um, you know, certainly we, we see some more attacks and things like that, but it's, it's just not anything compared to what's happening on some of the other places, not so far away from our country uh, distance wise. Yeah, that's right. And I can tell you just from personal experience, this is anecdotal, but I see far, far more arcane artists in my day-to-day -day life than I did when I was growing up. I, I think I had one run-in with some sort of a cult group when I was young. I, I, my a friend and I ran into um, uh, a ritual of some sort. I don't know what it was, but there was some sort of sacrifice being done of a puppy, and we caught uh, a glimpse of that. Uh, at the very end of their ritual and we ran and told my father and he went and investigated and found what was left uh, after their ritual. They had already vacated the premises. That was here in Round Rock, but that was the only time I ever ran into anything like that. But in my adult years, I've been finding more and more folks that are involved in those kinds of activities. So it seems from my perspective, like that's increasing pretty rapidly. Yes, it is. I wanted to leave this episode with a little bit of a warning since we're on this topic already. We have to steel ourselves now to not be involved in any form or fashion with miscegenation, which, which is the mixing of different kinds, because that is going to become a possibility. It's going to become, through technologies like CRISPR, it's going to become possible for you to change your own genetic code or to go to the doctor and have it changed. Um, it's going to be possible to, for you to have changes made to the DNA of your baby before he or she is born mm. or it is born. 
might be a better way of putting it when talking about this sort of thing. There's a huge problem with that beyond just the fact that the Bible makes it clear that kinds are to remain distinct. The, the big problem is that God sent his son as a savior for mankind. Mankind. Okay? Not hybrid kind. Not animal kind. Just mankind. And Yeshua is specifically called the second Adam. We are all the first Adam because okay? we're all descended from that, that you know, initial man that was created from the dust of the earth. So we are all considered the first Adam, which is, in my opinion, the biggest reason why Yeshua could take the place of all mankind, because he's really the substitute for the first Adam, one man substituted for another. If we are no longer just man, if we change ourselves to where we are something else besides Adam, then the second Adam can't legally take our place because it's not a perfect substitute anymore. Not that he's imperfect, but that the, the two things being substituted are different types. So you can't make that one-to-one substitution. Yeah. I think that reason alone is enough for us to be 100% dead set against ever changing our code. And I would even caution people, I would say, go do the research for yourself because I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not trying to give you medical advice. I'm not trying to tell you exactly how these things work, but it's my understanding that some of the new vaccinations that do um, editing at a gene level are actually introducing the code of viruses into your own DNA. Um, Some of them do it meaningfully. Others might do it accidentally under certain circumstances. Again, I don't know the particulars of this, but this is what I've been told. And if that's true, if virus DNA is being spliced into human DNA, that is potentially already a mixing of kinds. I don't know. I don't know because we're talking about viruses here. We're not talking about full-blown creatures. Nevertheless, it makes me very, very nervous that we have started down that road. And, and I don't feel right about getting anywhere near it. Yeah. And if I could speak on this just a little bit, Alex, we, you and I talked about this the other day, but, um, it, for full disclosure to our listeners, my wife is a doctor. Um, she's a pediatrician, and um, there. So then, there's an amount of knowledge that I have about this particular subject because we've actually looked into it together. She's already gotten her vaccine. Specifically, uh, we, our for our household, we we determined that the ones that are based on mRNA, and you're gonna have to you know, do some research on your own if that, if those letters, you know, make you get lost. Uh, mRNA versions of the vaccines seem okay from our perspective, but that's our, our own judgment of what we're looking at. But there are ones that do in fact change the DNA as Alex is talking about. Um, but also we got to remember what, like he, he talked about viruses, what viruses do is actually a virus is essentially like a little teeny tiny machine that attaches itself to your your cells and then puts DNA material into your body for it to go with the purpose of having it go and change that cell and hijack it. That's how viruses work from the core. And so and then your you immune get, system goes and kills those hijacked cells because it knows they're not supposed to be there, right? Right. And that is exact. That's how God has designed our bodies to be, is that they attack those cells as soon as they realize, hey, they not one of us. It goes in and tries to take out those things. That's where the whole uh, where our white blood cells. Um, you know, this is, this is again, going back to scripture when God tells us and through the scripture that the life is in the blood. That's that's actually what he means. Right. That this whole immune system thing, it's the blood is everything when it comes to fighting that, to fighting this and uh, identity of of a person, right? Your DNA is flowing through your blood as well, um, though it's present in lots of other places as well. The, The thing about it is when you decide that you are going to do vaccines, whether you're going to do it or not, you know, decide. So based on what you prayed about, don't just take whatever and and say, well, people say it's good, so I'm going to do it. Think about it. Think through it. Ask God for help. Um, and if you're somebody who's not sciencey, go to somebody who you know that is, someone who you know you can trust enough 
to be able to at least accept their 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 analysis to some extent or level, right? Before you make decisions about what you put into your body, how you change your body, whatever way. And uh, you're not going to get judgments from Alex and I, <laughs> certainly, about which route you take. Um, I personally have, have decided not to do the vaccine for now, but my reasons are not because of like me having a problem with a specific vaccine or vaccines in general. I have other reasons that are more complex than that. But everyone is responsible to God for their decisions, right? And you want to make informed decisions about this kind of stuff because we are at that line now where everything you have to look at with a with some some criticism to, to some level or at least some put some thought into it right you don't just take whatever medicine or whatever uh vaccine or solution because we're in a time where people are not careful about this mixing of kind definitely but there's other factors that scientists just don't understand yet um i could give some examples but I don't want to bore you guys with all of the science. Just get the main meat of what I'm saying, which is basically to do your research. Do your research whichever way you can about whatever you're going to do with your body. Otherwise, you might one day make a mistake that might be in some way irreversible or that just simply might knock you out of the status that we're talking about here with Noah. Noah was perfect or whole or tamim in his generations. Right. We want that to be the same for you and we want that to be the same for your children, because there are things now that we are messing with that can actually mess up your lineage from here on out, because it is at that point. It's not some fantasy pipe dream. It's it's now it's happening now and it's happening around you and it's happening at a, a neck breaking pace. Yep. We have to be very careful and very purposeful from here on out. All right. Enough said. We don't have any Q&A this week. We're already way past the half hour that we generally want to hit. Um, but this is a good conversation, important stuff. And we will pick back up in Genesis chapter 6 next week. Yeah, verse Until 13. Then. Yep, verse 13. Until then, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Watch them out. Shalom. Shalom.